The Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Reaper Apparel Company. Reaper Apparel offers a casual line of superb fit, finish, and comfort. We design for those who refuse to die slowly and choose to live untamed. For those who aren't afraid to face the dark, for the ones that thrive in it, and for those who can appreciate life through a grim lens. That's Reaper Apparel Company. Go to the link in the description of this episode, use the promo code Mike Bono, and get 10% off. Also, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by my own personal merch store, the Stupid Should Hurt merch store. I have hats, I have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, water bottles, notebooks, you name it, I've got it. The description and the link for that will be in the description of this episode. Also, right now, if you use the promo code WELCOME, I will give you 5% off of your first purchase. That's the Stupid Should Hurt merch store. Also, the Rod Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Tactical Brotherhood. All-American-made apparel, which helps support the Second Amendment. You can also find all this in the description of this episode with the link, Tactical Brotherhood. Part of every proceed does go to helping veterans, as it is a very good cause. All American-made products made right here in Minnesota. Go and check them out. Use the promo code PATRIOT15 to get 15% off your purchase. Now, let's start the show. All right, welcome everybody to the Ride Home Rants, the podcast. This is going to be for Wednesday... January the, what's that, the 13th, so right now it is Monday, uh, the 11th, uh, like I said, I do record these beforehand, I uh, got a big show for you today, I uh, got the first ever guest to join the podcast, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, Johnny Falcone, or as I knew him back when we were in college, aka Fitty, um, Big sports buff just like me, so this show is going to be a little bit more about that. So, Fiddy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on. Awesome. Yeah, glad to have you here. So, we got a big, big thing to talk about here today. Super wild card weekend. Uh, six games, which is unheard of for the NFL for the playoffs. Uh, added an additional wild card game. Um, a lot of big things happened. So, Let's get right into it. Uh, let's start with Saturday's games. Uh, Buccaneers, Rams, and Bills were all winners. So what do you think how those games went? Let's start with the Buccaneers, the late game. Um, I'm a little biased. I am a Buccaneers fan, so let's get right into that. Let me hear what you have to say about that game. How do you think it went? Yeah, you know what? I think it uh, was a little closer to what people thought. Um, I, I do believe that people thought maybe the Bucks were going to go in there and roll. Um, you know, Ron Rivera is a very seasoned coach for the Redskins. So, you know, he was going to definitely game plan that accordingly. Um, you know, their their quarterback situation, I think, was was very in flux, you know, before the game. And people thought, you know, Tom Brady was going to go in there and roll. And while Tom Brady did roll and was, you know, typical Tom Brady, you know, it was a little bit closer than what people thought. But, you know, the Buccaneers were just the better team. Um, and, you know, and if that would have turned the other way and the Redskins would have won. I mean, that probably would have been one of the most massive playoff upsets in history. But, you know what, the, the Bucks did what they had to do, and, you know, they, they went in and took care of business, and, and you know, they, they really, really, you know, put the pedal to the metal, and they're just going to continue to get better like they have every game. 
uh, this year. So it's going to definitely be an exciting game in the next round against the Saints for them. Absolutely. I'm interested to see uh, Brady Breeze 3. Uh, Breeze has gotten the better of Tom Brady in the first two matchups, swept the season series with those two. Um, what do you think about Antonio Brown's usage in this playoff game? And even in weeks, going back to week 17, seems like him and Tom are really starting to click again. Yeah, you know, like I said, they're going to get better every game. You know, you had a lot of moving parts with the Buccaneers team, you know, with Tom Brady joining them, you know, Gronkowski coming out of retirement, really Antonio Brown coming off his exodus uh, from football for a while. So, you know, you have to add all these guys in and into Bruce Arians' downfield passing attack. You know, it's going to take some time because Tom Brady – really was not an aerial attack downfield thrower when he was with, you know, um, the Patriots. You know, they were more intermediate routes, you know, check downs, things like that. Um, a lot of what we say zone uh, zone offense where you're going to pick a hole in the zone and just pick them apart. And that's what Tom Brady was. But when you go to this new offense and you're pushing the ball downfield like they do, you know, it's going to take some time. And, you know, as we've seen from week one to week, you know, 17 to now the playoff game, Tom Brady's getting more and more comfortable um, and now why this isn't the Bruce Arian offense of before, uh, you know, when he was with the Cardinals and even when he had Jameis Winston, this is still a very, very good offense. Um, you know, and I think Antonio Brown is coming into his own now. I think he's a very complimentary piece uh, as a number three receiver for them, really maybe even a fourth option behind Gronkowski. But, you know, he has uh, fit in very well there. Um, you know, one thing Tom Brady has done, he has, you know, taken – average receivers over time and made them great and the great receivers that he's had um you know he's really made them spectacular so you know one thing that he does well is he makes everyone around him better right i mean look at the emergence of scotty miller this year for the buccaneers i mean really just a short little receiver slot receiver he really brady really seems to like those types of guys those guys that are just really the workhorses that want to just get their nose dirty, don't mind it, and really want to just go after the ball and attack the defense. The emergence of Scotty Miller this year, I didn't expect anything from him really this year, but Tom Brady has really shown what this kid can do. Right, and it goes back to the same guys he had before, like Wes Wilker, Danny Amendola, right. Chris Hogan, you know, and then really the emergence of Julian Edelman, who really flourished with you know Tom Brady there. So, you know, like I said, Tom makes everybody else around him just better. Right. Um... So big surprise to me uh, was the Colts-Bills game. Um, not that the Bills won. I thought the Bills were going to win. Um, I was rooting for the Colts. Uh, my wife is a Colts fan, so kind of trying to take her side a little bit and keep the home happy here. So uh, Philip Rivers really made it a lot closer of a game than I expected it to be. I really thought the Bills were going to go in there and roll the Colts, but it seems like the, the Colts really didn't have a second-half offense all year. The, the, they seem to have just stalemated after the first half. So go through what you think Phillip Rivers and the Colts did to kind of stay around in that game. How do you think it, it played out for the Colts so that they were they were in it at the end for a Hail Mary pass at the end? You know, and I was never really a big Phillip Rivers fan um, to begin with, um, and I, I think he's very, very vastly uh, overrated for as highly regarded as he is with people. But – you know, the one thing about the Colts, they have a spectacular defense, right? And, and they've right. had that. You know, Darius Leonard is probably the – not probably. He is the best defensive player in the NFL for the past three years. You know, the one thing I would have seen the Colts like do a little bit more is uh, really pound the ball because you have, you know, Quentin Nelson, who is is the second coming of John Hanna. You're talking about a guard 
who is a once in a generation, you know, type of player where he can just line up and just maul people. And that's why he's a three time first team all pro. So, you know, if I think they would have did that a little bit more and maybe more down the bills and maybe the, you know, the downfield shots would have opened up for the Colts and stuff, but, you know, compliments to both teams. I mean, you have two really, really good head coaches there at Sean McDermott and Frank Wright and, you know, the one cool thing I think people don't realize is Frank Wright was, you know, Jim Kelly's backup for the Bills for a number of years. Frank Wright actually led the biggest comeback um, in the history of playoff football when he was the, the starting quarterback for the Bills for a playoff game against the Houston Oilers back in the day. So, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was pretty cool to see him back there, but just on the opposite sidelines. But, you know, I think um, – Going forward, I think the Colts will be okay. I, I don't know if I'd be a real big fan of re-signing Phillip Rivers, um, especially for the money he commands. Um, he might be better off signing a Jameis Winston or a Sam Darnold um, to a shorter deal and kind of going from there with, with them guys, maybe even, you know, Cam Newton. But, um, you know, the Colts played hard. I mean, Frank Wright's a really good coach, but the, but the Bills are very, very good. Josh Allen is a very, very good quarterback, probably the best quarterback from that draft class. Um you know, overall, um, who can, you know, run and throw where Lamar Jackson's a better runner, but he's not as good as a thrower as, as Josh Allen. So, you know, it, it, it was just a very good game. It was a very exciting game. Um, I did predict the Colts to win, though. I thought they were going to pull that out. But, you know, it's, you have, somebody has to win and somebody has to lose, and you have a 50-50 shot when you pick, you know, who you want to win and lose. So it's just kind of like flipping a coin and going from there. Right. I mean, I definitely get that. The NFL, especially this time of year, is super unpredictable. I mean, I feel like you can pretty much predict how the games are going to go throughout the regular season. But once playoff football starts, it's just a completely different animal. Um, <clears throat> so going back to the quarterback situation uh, in Indianapolis, um, I know Phillip Rivers, his contract's over. That They haven't been in talks of resigning him. He is contemplating retirement and hanging it up. I mean, he's played, what, 17, 18 seasons now? Uh, came into the draft class with uh, Big Ben and all them. Um, he's got. He, I mean, he he's one of those guys that you know he's had his career in San Diego and then briefly in Los Angeles when the Chargers moved to L.A. But <clears throat> I, I'm with you. I mean, he he hasn't really flourished as a quarterback. I blame part of that on San Diego, but I think he could have done a lot better in San Diego early on in his career with the weapons he had there with LT and all them boys running the ball and everything like that. But sitting behind him is Bursette. I mean, they've used him sparingly throughout the uh, throughout the season. Uh, a couple special plays here. He, he brings a little bit of a different aspect with his running game. So what do you think um, about moving him into the starting role? Can you see him being a starter for the Colts and you know having the same kind of run that they had this year? Well, you know, you got to go back a couple of years when Jacoby Bursett filled in for, you know, Andrew Luck. Um, you know, and, and Jacoby Bursett is a, is a very experienced quarterback in the regard that he started a lot of games and has a lot of reps. But I don't see them uh, winning, you know, 10, 11 games with Jacoby Bursett. I see them winning maybe eight or nine games um, and him kind of being in the same role if you go back to what Mark Sanchez was for the Jets on the back-to-back AFC championship games where he was more of a game manager and you got to rely on a thunderous offensive line uh, and running attack. Now, if the Colts transition to a power running attack and let Bursette be a game manager, kind of like how Mark Sanchez was, then maybe you can do that. Um, the Colts have the offensive line for it, finally. Um, they have the defense. Um, so if Frank Wright takes a page out of Rex Ryan's playbook from 09 and 10, 
and puts Jacoby Brissett back there in that type of offense, then they could definitely win eight, nine, ten games and potentially make a run, um, you know, in the playoffs. But, you know, that's what's going to be uh, pulled in the future. So we'll see if they even resigns because he's a free agent too. That's true. Uh, been a lot of talks of them trying to trade for Carson Wentz. I don't think that's a good move at all. Carson Wentz, I think, is done. Um, I think he's done as a starter. Um, he hasn't showed me anything the past couple of years with Philadelphia. And I, I just think with the money that he brings, I, I don't. I think the Colts really are the only team that have a cap room to to, to take it. A Wentz, but I. What do you think? Do you think he'll end up in Indianapolis? I don't think so. You you, you got to realize that the cap is going to shrink because the revenue of the NFL shrunk with having no fans. So when you look at the projected caps right now of teams over and under, that's not gonna that's not gonna give any. You know, it's going to shrink. So where, for example, I know the Steelers are twenty one million dollars over the cap. Well, they're not going to get any cap cap relief because the cap's not going to grow. So if you're the Colts and you have these free agents, you know, are you going to really splurge for a $40 million quarterback and cut, you know, 60% of your cap out of there? So, you know, to me, it's, it's not a good, not a good move to take on a quarterback with a $40 million, you know, cap hit. I don't think it's good to take a $40 million quarterback at all, but you know, in, in regular times, I mean, you could get a guy in there for eight or $10 million and, and be just fine. Um, you know, that's why I think like, Teams like the Steelers from Ben Roethlisberger or Carson Wentz, um, it, it's going to be too hard to move their contracts. You're going to have to keep them on a team or force them into a retirement um, because then you can alleviate the cap money. If you trade them, there's a lot of dead money on there, you know. So you're not only hurting yourself, you know, you're you're going to hurt your in, in the in the forefront. You're going to hurt yourself on the back end because you're not going to be able to resign your players, and then your talent level is going to dip overall. So I, I can't see the Colts blowing that type of money on him i can see them you know maybe trading for sam darnold on his rookie contract or taking someone like Jameis winston for three or four million dollars a year maybe per set for one year eight million dollars something like that but these quarterbacks are not going to get the big money that they've traditionally got you know this offseason right i mean everyone knew the cap was gonna gonna drop no fans in the stands doesn't bring any money into these stadiums into these teams so i definitely get that but Really, I think the biggest upset of this week, this weekend, Rams Seahawks. Um, Wolford came in, uh, got hurt, injured early into the game, and they had to go back to Jared Goff uh, with the twelve days being removed from thumb surgery on his throwing hand. How do you think the Rams looked, knowing that they had a, an injured quarterback, their starting quarterback? Uh, coming in as the backup and being able to beat the Seahawks. We'll be back after a quick break. Big lady energy. What if I eat a little cheese every day? <laughs> Just it's, keep it. It's like I have a tolerance. Yeah, for cheese. Good Same job with cats. Your tolerance. Like if I pet a cat every day for the first week or two. I thought you were going to say if I eat a cat a little bit every day, <laughs> starting at the tail, I mean, just ate a little bit, then I'd be fine. But if I didn't eat a cat for three months. I would totally start at the face. Why yeah. would you start at the tail? If someone put a gun to my head and said, eat this cat. I'm trying to think of we're an acceptable about scenario. about feline, right? <laughs> oh, did you think I was talking about pussy? Maybe. It could go there. I don't want to eat a cat. I want to eat a pussy. <laughs> Well, I think the, when the Rams had Wolford in there and they came out with three straight runs in that game, I, I think 
that really kind of set the tempo for the game. Now, they kind of got away from that in plays four, five, and six because they kind of went in the empty set and started throwing the ball around the field and stuff like that. But I think when Wolford got hurt and, and Goff came in, you know, the Rams, um, you know, played complimentary football in, in that regard. I predicted the Seahawks to win. Um, I was wrong again. I went one and five on my wild card <laughs> predictions this weekend, so that was kind of rough. Um, you know, but but the Rams did a good job. But you know, the, the NFL it, it's crazy in the playoffs, and, and you know, like kind of like you said too. You know, you it's really hard to gauge who's going to win now compared to the regular season because if you look at it, the Seahawks. I'm a, being a Jets fan. The Seahawks beat the Jets forty to three in week fifteen. Week fifteen. Okay, and then you're talking. Then the Jets beat the Rams the following week. All right, by seven, and then you're talking the Rams just beat the Seahawks by ten, and then you're talking the Jets went in and beat the Browns uh, at with seven points in week uh, sixteen. You know, twenty twenty three sixteen, I think it was, or twenty three nineteen, whatever it was, uh, four seven points. But you know, they beat them, and then the Browns really put that beating on the Steelers. So you know, it is very very hard to tell what's going to happen in the playoffs, just because. You know, people get healthy, people get hurt, and it's just kind of, you know, the, the luck of the draw and, and how the game goes, you know, as a, as a former coach at the high school level and, and, you know, helping now at the college level, you know, there's only certain things you can control. You can't control every aspect of the game, even though coaches are control freaks like that. We want everything to be the way we want it to be. It, it was not like that. So, you know, Pete Carroll couldn't rebound from the disastrous things that happened, and, and you know, Sean McVay did, um, and he, he rallied that team, and, and uh, Jared Goff did a really good job. So we'll see how that goes, though, in the next round with that. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned it. Um, I was hesitant to get in this. Uh, grew up an hour outside of Pittsburgh, so I always root for the Steelers. Steelers-Browns, big rivalry game. Playoffs, first time in 24 years the Cleveland Browns have been in the playoffs. And they came in, and they put a stomping on Pittsburgh in the first quarter, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. I was saying it with five minutes to go into the first quarter. This game's over. Pittsburgh, I, they don't look like they have the life. Cleveland didn't practice up all week until Friday due to COVID protocols. They had their head coach was out. It seemed like everything was against Cleveland. And that Pittsburgh, do you think that gave them kind of a big head going into this game and thinking that they were just going to go in and just walk all over Cleveland? And Cleveland came to play. Like They, they looked rested they looked ready and they there was a fire in baker mayfield that i mean you normally see every week i think it was a little uh heightened due to due to it being their first playoff game so go through that game for me yeah you know what i'm I, the stillers came in and, and, and they said it all week and the stuff they said i mean they didn't respect the browns and and you know flat out mike tomlin got out coached by you know a former ysu you know special teams coordinator who was filling in as an interim coach mike tomlin got flat out out coached um you know when you fall down 28 nothing like that and, and your quarterback's throwing three interceptions and, and your your center's snapping the ball over your head you know you got to take a timeout and you got to rally your guys on the sidelines to get them calmed down you know in that first quarter you know especially when when big ben's throwing the interceptions you know he should have overruled the offensive coordinator and start pounding the ball and trying to shorten the game you know when you fall behind 14 nothing 21 nothing in the first quarter you know, you need to shorten the game. You need to start running the ball. You need to start trying to play, you know, ball control offense. You can't just keep, you know, throwing it out there and then putting yourself, you know, really behind in that regard. Um, I mean, the, the Browns really had something to play for. You know, very similar to the Bills, right? The Cleveland Browns haven't won a playoff game since 1994. The, the Buffalo Bills didn't want a playoff game since 1995. You're talking about 
25 and 26 years, the average young person wasn't even, you know, alive, right, when these teams won their last last playoff game. So these teams came in very hungry. Um, you know, they came in very, very ready to go. I mean, I'm 34 years old, and you're talking about I was 8 and 9 years old the last time the Browns and the Bills won playoff <laughs> games. So, you know, that's the one thing. And, and if you really look at it, I mean, the Steelers have not had very much success in the postseason, you know, really after – Mike Tomlin got rid of Bill Cowher's guys. All right. You know, you just really say it the way it is. You know, they've lost now three playoff games in their last three appearances. You're talking 2017, the Jaguars hung 45 points on the Steelers. You're talking last night, the Cleveland Browns hung 48 points, you know, on the Steelers. This isn't the 1970s Steelers. Mean Joe Green is not out there anymore, right? Jack Ham is not there, you know. It's it's not it's not Mel Blunt in the secondary anymore. You know you don't have those type of guys. You're not going to dominate people and live on ghosts of the past like you know you thought before. You know the Steelers they just have too many other things going on. You know Juju Smith Schuster. You know I think he wants to be like a part of Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch or something with the, with the, with the stuff he's doing. <laughs> you know it's just he he's a distraction. You know, um, I mean, Big Ben is, is very much washed up. He's very overrated. He's no Terry Bradshaw. Let's just call it the way it is. You know, as anybody that knows, you know, Steelers football, Terry Bradshaw got 14 postseason victories in less appearances than really Ben Roethlisberger, right? But he has 14 playoff wins, right, in, in those appearances, and he has four Super Bowls, okay? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is no Terry Bradshaw. Let's just say it the way it is. And, and Mike Tomlin's no Bill Cowell, you know, these, these the Steelers teams are very overrated. You're talking about you lost five out of your six of your final games. You know that that's not good. I mean, you really backed into the playoffs. You backed into uh, uh, you know um, AFC North champions. You know championship. Uh, you know title. I mean, it's just vastly overrated. And the Cleveland Browns wanted it way more than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Mike Tomlin was vastly outcoached by an undermanned coaching staff. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that the Cleveland Browns came to play. They looked ready. They looked rested. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how a week off of practice before a playoff game can really help a team. But being 17 weeks into a season now, on it's called Week 18 instead of the Wild Card. You know, 18 weeks into a season, guys are beat up. They're playing hurt. They're playing with some bumps and bruises. I mean, you know, you played football. Um, it's it's really, you know, I think that time off really helped them get mentally right for this game. And like you said, Juju Smith-Schuster, <laughs> I like that. Uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch That's <laughs> with these TikToks. I think Tomlin should have put his foot down after the first time he danced on an opposing team's logo and said, no, this isn't what we're about. This isn't what we're doing. This is Steelers football. You want to be a TikTok influencer, you can do that on somebody else's time. You're not going to do it on my time. Um Juju wants to be an outside receiver with the emergence of Chase Claypool, uh, who I think is an amazing rookie receiver, uh, really came on this year as that outside threat for the Pittsburgh Steelers, pushed Juju to the slot. I don't think he was ever happy from when that happened, so I think that is another big cause of it. Plus, James Conner, they, they, they just could not run the ball. I mean, you start a season 11-0, and and the hype for your team is just up there. So... I mean, and then, like you said, you lose five out of your last six games and back into the playoffs. I mean, I think Pittsburgh got what they deserved um, in taking the Browns lightly. Um, somebody who didn't take somebody lightly was actually probably, in my opinion, one of the best games of the weekend. It was Baltimore-Tennessee. Rematch of last year. 
Lamar Jackson uh, coming out against Ryan Tannehill. Great game. Uh, Baltimore ultimately gets the win. What were your thoughts on that game? No, that was a really good game. You know, actually, the Titans were my Super Bowl pick, so that that really backfired on me. Um, <laughs> you know, but you have two really, really good coaches there. And, you know, Mike Vrabel learned under Bill Belichick, right? And he learned under Bill Belichick. He knows the way to run a program, right? You know, and, and John Harbaugh is probably the second best coach in the NFL behind Bill Belichick. I mean, you're talking a guy that's been there a long time, right? A guy that came in as a special teams coordinator, you know, and has had very good offense and defensive coordinators, um, you know, over the years at different times. So, you know, he's very involved in all three aspects of the game. And, you know, he really catered their offense then right to, you know, Lamar Jackson when he, you know, emerged from the the Joe Flacco era. Um, but that was a really, really good game. I mean, you have two really good teams who are going to continue to be good, um, you know, for a long time. I do believe that the Titans will now become um, a perennial playoff team as, of course, they've been, but a really successful perennial playoff team. Um, they'll kind of be like New England South. Um, you know, Baltimore will continue to be good as long as John Harbaugh's there and as long as Lamar Jackson doesn't get, you know, dinged up, um, you know, running the ball and, and kind of slows down as what we've seen with, like, um, you know, more like Cam Newton and Michael Vick over the years. So hopefully he can stay healthy and, you know, continue to do, um, you know, good things for them and continue his, you know, dominance as a, as a quarterback. But, you know, really good game, um, very exciting game, um, probably – you know, realistically, if you look at the rosters, probably, you know, the second and third, probably most talented um, AFC teams behind the, the Chiefs. And that, that was just a really good, you know, wild card game and, you know, really exciting for, you know, everyone to watch that who was even not fans of either team. Right. I'm not a fan of either teams. Uh, like I said, growing up, root for Pittsburgh, uh, you kind of learn to hate Baltimore. Um was rooting for Tennessee in that game. I actually thought Tennessee was going to pull it out. Um, one of my predictions that didn't go well. Actually, Sunday was a very bad prediction day for me. I was 0 for 3 with my predictions for Sunday's games. Um, New Orleans handled their business against the Bear, but Bears. But my main thing is I didn't hate the play of Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, he looked good early. Had some receivers dropping passes. I mean, it was a very low-scoring first uh, first half, and I think it could have been a lot closer. And the Bears should have been up going into half, ten to seven. Uh, receiver names eluding me right now. Drops a wide open pass. Mr. Trubisky dropped it right into the bread basket. Hit him right between the numbers in the end zone, wide open, and he drops it. I think that really hurt the Bears' chances of getting back into this game. I know it was close early. I know they were kind of controlling the clock and trying to keep Drew Brees and them boys off the field. But I, I just I didn't hate the the play of, of Trubisky. What did you think about that game? No, he's, he's a good quarterback. He's very similar to Mark Sanchez. He's a good game manager. I mean, that, that's what you want, you know, on, on a team like the Bears, right, who doesn't have, you know, super great talent, but they have a pretty good defense. You know, and they have, okay, you know, offensive guys. Um, That was a good game. I mean, Drew Brees is Drew Brees, right? You're always going to have to battle the Saints just because of Drew Brees. And Sean Payton is a very good coach. He's probably number three in the NFL behind, you know, um, John Harbaugh and, you know, Bill Belichick. Um, Sean Payton's been there a long time. I mean, you know, he's had a lot of success there. Um, You know, but I do think this is the Saints' last hoorah. You know, Drew Brees is 41 years old. I don't think he can keep playing at such a high caliber level. And you look at these guys, these older guys, right? You know, from Ben Roethlisberger to 
uh, Philip Rivers to, you know, Tom Brady to, you know, um, Drew Brees, right? These guys are 38, 39, you know, 41, and I think Tom Brady's now 42, you know. 43. 43. So you're watching an end of an era with, you know, a lot of these guys um, who who are just older and stuff, and it's seen or shown, you know, they cannot continue to play at such a high level like they did before, even though I think Drew Drew Brees is still very good, and I think Tom Brady's still very good, but they're still not the guys they were in their early 30s, even mid-30s, you know, and where Ben Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers have had success. I think they're both overrated, but they have had success, but they're not the players they were, you know, 10 years ago either. So you're really watching the end of an era with these quarterbacks, um, you know, and it's going to be exciting because you're probably never going to see a matchup of someone of Drew Brees' caliber and Tom Brady's caliber ever again like you're going to see, you know, this weekend. You're talking about, you know, two of the five best quarterbacks of all time um, battling it out, and, and that's a very rare thing to see a matchup of, you know, two of the top five position players, you know, ever. Um, so it's definitely going to be an exciting game, and, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens, but, you know, for the average fan, um, watch it and appreciate it because you're never going to see those type of quarterbacks battle it out after, you know, 20-plus years in the league. Right. Um, everyone is saying, all the announcers, all the analysts at ESPN, Fox, CBS have said they think this is the last ride for Drew Brees. I'm kind of with them on that. Um, after breaking pretty much all of his ribs and having a punctured lung this year, I think he's realizing he's not the Iron Man that he used to be. Uh, his toughness is kind of going down with age, which I always say, Father Time is undefeated. Um, and I think this is the last year for Drew Brees. I think... Jason, Jason, oh my, if I could talk today, that'd be good. Winston, James Winston, um, is not going to be in New Orleans next year again. I think he goes back to to a free agent, plays the market, and I think Taysom Hill takes the reins in New Orleans next year. Uh, what do you think about that? I can definitely see that happening. I can also see if, if a quarterback does fall, um, you know, to a later pick, the Saints may take them, um, you know, and groom them behind maybe Taysom Hill, or maybe they do resign Jameis Winston for a year to be a back-to-back. I think he's only on like a, a $2 million contract for one year. Right. Um, it just depends on the market, you know, and, and the cap shrinking if these people are going to be able to afford, um, you know, these players, these GMs, you know, and their, their people around them, their assistant GMs, their scouting directors, and everybody around them are going to have to decide, you know, is it worth signing these guys to, do we have the money, and is it more valuable to be in the draft to find a quarterback? So, you know, I can maybe see them keep, keeping uh, Jameis Winston, um, but it's a 50-50 shot on that. That's what their their people and their, their management positions are going to have to decide and, you know, see about Taysom Hill, too. Because the one thing about Taysom Hill, he is, I believe, like 29 years old. Uh, you know, he, he's really not a spring chicken, you know, either. That guy really went through five season-ending injuries, you know, in college at BYU, too. So... Can he sustain himself for a 16-game, um, you know, schedule? So it's going to be a very, very tricky offseason for the Saints. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I can see uh, Taysom Hill taking the reins there, but it's going to be interesting to see how he holds up. So, like I said, I know this is Monday. The show comes out on Wednesdays, but um, let's get right into it. Divisional rounds. Give me your predictions. I'm going to say the Chiefs uh, win by 10. Um, I'm going to say the Bills win by three. Um, I'll say the Packers win by 14. 
and I will go with, oh man, uh, probably the Buccaneers, I'm going to say by one. We'll be back after a quick break. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Okay. Um, I'm pretty much on par with you um, with picks. Um, I got Green Bay winning big. I got the Buccaneers winning a close battle. Um, Chiefs, I think, are going to roll Cleveland. Um, I don't think it's going to be as close. I think Cleveland might get ahead of themselves, but I got Cleveland or I got Kansas City by 14. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm spot on with you with picks uh, for this coming week. I think it's going to be another great, great weekend of, of football, and I can't wait to see how that plays out. Now, Reason uh, being for this show being a little bit more sports-based, uh, me and you, both Bethanians, uh, both went to Bethany College. We're both student-athletes there. Uh, I was a uh, swimmer. You played football. So being um, a football player, what was the recruiting process like for you there? Yeah, so I actually attended Youngstown State University right after I graduated from, uh, from high school. Um, I went there. Um, as a regular student, right, it's a one double A school. I was not good enough to play football there. Um, I, I did talk to them about potentially walking on and throwing the javelin in track. Um, that didn't work out. So, you know, I, I stayed as a student there, and then I actually really missed um, playing football and stuff. So my recruiting process was a little bit different. Um, when I decided that I wanted to potentially look at transferring, I looked at a couple of different schools, um, and I reached out to them. Um, you know, and I reached out to Bethany and Coach Upton, who is our assistant head football coach here still and our head track and field coach. Um, you know, I reached out to him and said, hey, you know, coach, I'm interested in potentially playing football and running track. I'd like to come for a visit. Um, you know, and, and when I came down here for the visit, it was really great. You know, I loved it. I loved uh, this is uh, the uh, the offense coordinator at the time, who's now our head coach, Coach Garvey, um, you know, and the former head coach, you know, Coach Weaver um, in football, you know, and with Coach Upton with track, you know, it was great. Um, so I kind of had to recruit them. Um, and, and, and try to get, you know, myself here kind of like as a, as a walk-on. Um, so, you know, my recruiting situation is a little bit different because I had to go do it myself since I was already looking at transferring. Um, so, but it was a, you know, a great experience to, you know, go through that, um, and kind of grow up and go through that recruiting process on my own. Um, and then finding Bethany was a blessing and, um, you know, I wouldn't have traded what I did here football and track wise for the entire world. Right, uh, I agree with you. Mine was a little different. Uh, being a swimmer, um, I was recruited hard by Bethany. Uh, they, they really wanted me on the team. Uh, I also had uh, offers from WVU and uh, also one from Marshall, too, as well, to swim for them. Uh, unfortunately for me, uh, my senior year of high school, I also played football, too, as well. Hurt my shoulder and wasn't able to swim my senior season at Brook High School, and WVU and Marshall took their offers off the table, and that went away, and Bethany held on to their their offer. They really wanted me to come there to be an athlete, 
and to swim for them. So I took that into serious consideration. I also thought, like you, like maybe I just want to go be a regular student. Maybe sports are kind of not it for me. You know, you got a hurt shoulder. That's kind of key for swimmers. You know, it's that's our life's blood right there. Um, but decided that, you know, I wanted to give it a shot. I had to rehab my shoulder uh, my senior year of high school into my freshman year. And actually, um, what uh, Coach McGowan did for me was that he said, to tell you what, so you don't lose your scholarship, I'm going to let you come on and be a manager of the swim team your freshman year. So you can rehab your shoulder and come in your sophomore year and that way I didn't lose my scholarship there to to come and and swim for Bethany so that was kind of my recruiting process and it, it kind of took a lot of twists and turns with an injury which we know as athletes are always prevalent and can always happen uh, I think the differences between our two sports um, mainly football and swimming is that swimmers don't get a lot of love for it being a very tough sport uh, I feel um, you're using muscles that you really don't know that you have and that, that you use on a daily basis. Um, I actually remember, I can't think of his name for the life of me, though, but it was one of your former football friends and football teammates uh, came up to me and said my sport wasn't worth you know, actually having at Bethany College. And I said, well, fine, if you don't think it's that tough, why don't I put you through one of my workouts and let's see how you feel afterwards. So I remember... Going up to Coach McGowan, like, hey, can I have today's workout? And this was after practice. Like, keep in mind, I had already practiced for the day. And he goes, you're going to do it again? I was like, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's only going to make me better. So, yeah. And after the warm-ups for this, I remember him looking at me and goes, man, that was intense. I said, that was the warm-up. That was just to get you ready for what we're about to do. And the next day, seeing him kind of limp around uh, campus being sore was kind of a little bit of a wake-up call for him and and that swimming is actually a very tough sport um yeah no it, it i i agree with you on that i, I read a book uh, about joe namath one time and when joe namath um had one of his knee operations he actually uh did a lot of rehab in the pool and since he couldn't really weight lift and run he actually did a lot of swimming and in joe namath's book he said that he his upper body and he developed his upper body so much because of something it was the, it was the biggest um increase he's ever seen in muscle size you know for him and stuff so you know a lot of people don't realize um when you play football or track or whatever it is you know every breath uh every two breaths you take is the equivalent of one breath that a swimmer takes in the pool so yep. you know people don't realize the lung capacity that swimmers have to have because you're in the water right you know you're not you're not breathing like a normal person running you're your, your breathing is actually slowed down to the aspect, like I said, like if I'm taking two breaths running in football and you're taking one breath, you know, in swimming, your lung capacity is actually better than mine. Um, so, you know, most people don't realize that it is a very, very, you know, tough sport. Um, and, and, and also it's a very, indi you know, individualized sport and you have to be very good to be on these individualized, you know, platforms, you know, such as, you know, tennis, track, wrestling, swimming, golf, Whatever it is, you're not surrounded by your team to uplift you. Like Tom Brady is not uplifting the, the swimming team, making everybody better, right? right. The individual mm. has to make the individual better first. And then if you have a bunch of good individuals, then you have a really good team. But nobody's going to make you better that surrounds you. You have to make yourself better, especially in these individualized sports. Yeah, that's what drew me to swimming, uh, minus the fact that I was actually pretty good at it. 
Um, but that's what drew me to swimming is that I couldn't turn to be like, oh, well, it's your fault we didn't do this. It's, it's, it's your fault. It's all on me. I wanted all that pressure on me to make me better and make me as a better swimmer. Um, so that kind of translates us being athletes. And so what's life been like after uh, sports for you? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, when I graduated uh, in 2010, I was 23 years old. Um, so, you know, I knew my career was over. So what I did was I kind of got into, uh, I always had the itch for it, but I got into coaching. Um, you know, I got into being a high school coach. Um, I coached for eight years at the high school level at three different high schools, uh, six years as an assistant and two years as a head football coach. And I coached uh, six years of track and field, um, one year as a head junior high coach, one year as a head varsity coach and four years as an assistant coach and I got into some athletic administration stuff um continued on my education got my master's degree in 2014 in athletic administration um so you know I kind of got into that and then um you know then I transitioned to working here at Bethany College for over the past three years um and working with you know students kind of going through the enrollment process and, and and helping them gather more information on us and working with with everybody with the questions that they have from academics athletics social life um you know what are what our students do career-wise when they leave here and all that so you know that that's been a lot of fun too so um you know it really took the life lessons though of high school and college sports of being disciplined and doing things the right way and you know having to outwork everybody and transition that into my life as a coach um as a you know um college employee now you know so you have to take those things that you took then and still employ them now so you know even though i've been out of school one on 11 years um you know i'm still employing what i learned you know college wise uh as a team athlete to what i'm doing now in my career right i kind of took a little bit of a a different route uh i went into the the sales force off the off the rip right outside of bethany i graduated in 2012 uh, with the communications and sports broadcasting. I really wanted to be a broadcaster. I worked for a couple radio stations too as well, did a little bit of DJ work for them. But I feel like that competitive edge that I had being a high school and collegiate athlete really helped me develop myself as a sales professional um, to go in there because you have goals to hit as an athlete and you have goals to hit as a sales professional. And just that competitive edge to always want to try to be up in the top uh, rankings of a company really helped me, I think, strive for that. And also, um, just for a little bit of fun, and it's still kind of a competitive uh, arena and aspiring to be a comedian. I like to think I'm pretty funny, you know. Um, I've had some people tell me uh, I am too as well. So trying to get that and trying to build that um, career there. Again, very competitive, very, you know, the biggest comedians in the game, Bill Burr, Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer, um, all those guys that paid their dues and all that, they went through what I'm going through now currently and, you know, paying your dues and really trying to make yourself better and getting that stage time. COVID has put a very big damper on that um, with nobody really having a lot of stage time, but I digress. Um, now, you said you work for Bethany right now. Um, tell me a little bit more about your role there and then we'll kind of we'll kind of wrap this up for the day. Yeah, so um, I work right now in the enrollment office here at Bethany. Um, I'm a senior assistant director of enrollment and recruiting coordinator. So like I was saying previously, I help students um, kind of through the admissions process and I answer the questions that they have um, about us from all the different aspects of, of campus. Um, you know, before COVID, I was on the road a lot. Um, I was 
uh, meeting with students and, you know, going to college fairs and high school visits and meeting with coaches and administrators and alumni and things like that. And, you know, COVID made us really um, have to adapt to a lot of different things here. So a lot of time now I've been in the office um, calling people, emailing people, you know, a lot of things um, that I did also while traveling. Now I'm really devoted to really that, that clerical office work. Um, but, you know, it, it's been really great. Um, you know, we host students on, on virtual visits. We still are hosting students on campus. Although it's been very abbreviated, um, two visits a day uh, with that. So you know, but I, I really work with the students very close with that. Um, I work primarily because every counselor has a different area. I work primarily with Ohio, Northwest Pennsylvania, where I'm from, um, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Florida, and Georgia. Um, so you know, I work a lot with with those students. But we, but we all work together collab collaboratively. And um, actually, in about a month here, I'm going to, or less than a month, I'm going to be moving over um, full time to our athletic department to be one of our assistant athletic directors um, and, and really help with the recruiting process with that and any other duties that they uh, they may have me have. Um, I do also volunteer my time outside of the office with uh, with football um, and a little bit with track and field. Um, but I work with all of our coaches too in recruiting. So uh, my phone's always going off 24 <laughs> seven. Um, but I enjoy it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've really been blessed to be back here at Bethany working as a, you know, employee now, um, you know, from being from a student, you know, and then coming in eight years later and, you know, working as, or seven years later and working as an employee. So, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Um, get to meet students from all over the country, you know, when they come visit here and getting to know people um, as they come through our doors is a really great thing. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's really fun to find out who people are when you really can sit down with them, you know, and, and talk to them and get to know them on a personal level. And, you know, as you know, as a Bethany grad, and I know as a Bethany grad, and all Bethany grads know, we have a really great rapport here with everybody on campus from students, faculty, staff, you know, housekeeping, uh, people in the cafeteria. You know, we are one, you know, gigantic family here. Um, and being a small school like that, we are afforded that opportunity to invest in everybody's life. So that's, you know, that's been a very, very awesome thing being back here. Right. Um... Glad to see you're doing well, buddy. I know uh, COVID has put a damper on a lot of things. Uh, glad to have you on, but uh, to the 23 cities that this podcast is in right now, um, if anybody, if any one of you are looking for a great college to go to, look my man Johnny Falcone up. Think about Bethany Hard. Like he just said, it's a big family. Get out there and, you know, do what you got to do and, it's great. Like I said, campus is awesome. Uh, my man Johnny here will get you through the ropes and tell you everything you need to know. Um, that's kind of the show today. I got one read, and then I'll let you go real quick, my man, and then we'll be out of here. Today's episode was brought to you by My Daily Choice CBD and High Life Travel. CBD is one of the best uh, products out there right now. They're growing ever stronger. Uh, being a former athlete, I have a lot of joint pain and everything like that. I'm sure... Johnny here can attest to that, but you know, taking these products has really helped with that pain and you know, being able to get some mobility back, maybe making me feel like I can get back into the pool again. I know it's probably not going to happen at 31 years old, but you know, it gives me a confidence boost. And if you're looking for great travel, like Johnny said, he's on the road a lot. Uh, high life travel helps you with booking hotels, car rentals, uh, cruises, you name it, vacations. They got it right there. You can find everything by going to www.hempworks.com slash mbonaventura. Go there, help a brother out. Uh, helps me out, helps you out too as well. I want to say a big thank you to Johnny Falcone, a.k.a. Fitty as I know him. 
uh, for being on the show. First ever guest, kind of a historic moment. Didn't want to put that pressure on you at the first, but thank you for being on, Johnny, and I hope you have a great day, my man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. No problem. See you. The Ride Home Rams podcast is brought to you by Dubby Energy. Energy drinks made for gamers, streamers, and podcasters alike. For gamers, streamers, and podcasters alike. Go to the link in the description where you can find the best energy drinks out there. Less caffeine than a cup of coffee. Also, no jitters and no crash afterwards. Use the promo code Mike Bono and get yourself 10% off. Also, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by my favorite sponsor of the show, and that is Shankit Golf. Golf apparel made for the everyday golfer. We might not go out and shoot a six under par. We're probably going to shoot a six over par, but this is going to give us the gear that's going to help us rock it on and off of the course. Go to the link in the bio. Use the promo code Mike Bono and get yourself 10% off there as well.